It's good to have you here today. And I uh, want to talk to you about something I believe is very, very important. And why only, only the two natures can explain grace. Now, over the years, I will cover parts of this, parts of that. And then sometime I put it together this way. And then I'll have something else, but just a little tad of this and so on. Because we have a great ministry now through the YouTube videos that we put up. Many people are trusting Christ as Savior. But anyway, if you look there in your notes, the problem. There is a problem. And the problem, if a preacher understood the truth of the gospel, they would never preach that a saved man had to persevere to be saved, to stay saved, or to prove one is saved. They wouldn't say... If you're really saved, you're not going to want to live in sin. Or you can't tell me that you can live as you please and still go to heaven. Or I know that I'm saved, but I don't know for sure if I'm going to heaven. Now, there's a lot of contradictions in some of these statements. But it's like asking a person, are you married? Yes, I am. Do you have a wife? Well, I don't know. Now, you would think automatically that somebody who wants to have a mother-in-law would have a wife. But... Some people just don't get it. When you trust Christ as Savior, you have eternal life. You can't trust Him and not get eternal life. And if you have eternal life, it's because you trusted Him. So if you got one, you got the other. You can't have one without the other. So are you saved? Yes, I am. Do you have eternal life? Well, I don't know. Then you don't get it. So then you have a problem. Now understand this. Look there at the next statement. Very important statements. Does making Christ the Lord of my life make me perfect? Now, you know this. The requirement to go to heaven is that heaven is a perfect place. You hear us say that all the time. Heaven is a perfect place. The Bible says heaven is a perfect place. And you have to be perfect to go to heaven. Well, if that's the truth, how are we going to get there? So there's sometimes there's people that will make the statement, you must make Christ the Lord and the master of your life. So if you follow the master who was perfect, then you'll live good enough, and maybe you'll make it. Well, then, of course, you'll have to wait until you're dead to find out if you made it or not. Well, I got good news for you. You don't even have to start on that journey because he's already said, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So it has nothing to do with your works. But now look at the next statement. Does turning from sin make me perfect? If I turn from my sin, will that make me perfect? No. You're not going to be perfect if you turn from your sin. How many sins would you have to turn from? All of them. Well, can you? No. That's your problem. That's my problem. Because sin is the nature that's on the inside. And that's why we've said before, you tell a dog, dog, you stop acting like a dog, I'll make you a chicken. How long would you have to wait? Don't wag your tail. Don't go, <laughs> don't do that. Don't act like a dog. It's your nature. It's the nature of a human because we have a sinful nature and we sin naturally. Look at the next statement. Any gospel that teaches a man can either earn his way to heaven or can lose it after he has been saved is an admission that their gospel is not perfect and therefore cannot save at all. For anything to last for eternity, it must be perfect. It has to be perfect to last forever. And if it's not perfect, it can't last forever. 
Now, this is why you and I had to have something that would make us good to go. If you have to be perfect to get to heaven, then we have to have something that will make us perfect. Because if it doesn't make us perfect, we can't go. Doesn't that make sense? Of course it makes sense. But now notice, salvation is making a sinner perfect. Salvation is God making a sinner perfect. Because if it doesn't make him perfect, he can't go. Because heaven's a perfect place. You have to be perfect to go to heaven. If this is not accomplished, there is no salvation. There is no salvation unless the gospel you hear and believe can make you perfect. That's why when they add on, you must turn from your sins in order to help make you perfect. Like, Christ can't do it unless you do this. Then you can't do that. And if He has to make you perfect, but it's contingent upon you committing your life to Christ and living a certain way, you can't do it. You cannot help. So nothing you add to it can help make you perfect. Either Christ can do it in Him alone, or it can't be done. I wish people would see that. So number one, an eternal salvation must be a perfect salvation. Take your Bible, look in Hebrews chapter 5. There's a few verses we'll look at very quickly. Hebrews and chapter 5. And notice there in verse 9 in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, Old School Reference Bible, it's on page 1295, one of the Bibles that's uh, sitting there in the pew in front of you. It's exactly the same kind of a Bible that I'm using. Number 9, verse 9, and being made perfect. We're talking about Christ. He became the author of eternal salvation. He had been made perfect. The only one that was perfect was Christ. Christ, perfect. Everybody else is a sinner. He being made perfect became the author of what kind of salvation? That's the only kind of salvation he became the author of. Eternal salvation. So if it's eternal salvation, it has to be a perfect salvation. So Christ was perfect. He made and designed a perfect salvation. In other words, a salvation that can take a man that's a sinner and make him perfect. Because if it doesn't make him perfect, he can't go. Now you say, what does a perfect person look like? Look up here. <laughs> am I going to heaven? Yes, I am. How many of you in here are going to heaven? Let me see your hands. But if y'all aren't a little... I'm not going to say it. To think that you're so good to go to heaven. You think you're perfect. But you know, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have been given the perfection of Christ. You have been made perfect in Christ. We'll get to that in just a minute. Now, look at number two. The law made nothing, no one, perfect. Look there in Hebrews in chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. And notice what he says in verse 19. You'll hear people say, you've got to keep the law, you've got to keep the law. Well, after 1,500 years, how many were made perfect by keeping the law? In verse 19, for the law made nothing, what? Nothing perfect. But, in contrast, the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. But the law couldn't do is make you perfect. 
but something could and something can. And that's why we have something better, and you'll notice in verse 22, by so much was Jesus made a surety or a guarantee of something better. Better than the law. The law means this is what you have to do. The only thing that can be better than that is what Jesus had to do. You couldn't save yourself, therefore the law could not make anybody perfect. So trying to live a perfect life won't work. Why? Because you can't do it. That's why Christ can make something better. And if it can't, law can't make you perfect, and if it's going to be perfect, it has to make you perfect. So Jesus Christ can do for you what nobody else can do. No one can do this for you. Now, look in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and look in verse 1. Isn't it amazing that the word perfect just happens to be in here? I didn't put it there. It's already in your Bible. But it's there for a reason. Why? Because, hey, do you understand? You have to be perfect to go to heaven. And if the gospel doesn't make you perfect, it doesn't work. It's not a true message. See there in verse 1 of chapter 10. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, can, see that word, never, 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 with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers unto what? Can't make them perfect. All the work that they did for 1,500 years, all the sacrifices that they made, and whether or not you sacrifice by going to church, and you sacrifice by praying, and you sacrifice by giving money, and you sacrifice by trying to live a good life, all of your sacrifices that you ever make, continually, all your life, will never make you perfect. It never did then, and it'll never work. You can't do it. Impossible. If you was to start today and try to be perfect, you can't do it. What are you going to do about what you've already done? Duh. You already messed up. And then, nobody would believe that you're perfect if you told them you were in your own works, by the way you live. It's not going to work. Now, notice in chapter, the fourth note here, chapter 10 and verse 10. Look in verse 10. Notice, because of what Christ did in verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified or made pure and holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That means whatever he did, it only has to be done one time and never again. Whatever it is, one time. He made one payment for all sin forever. Then you notice in verse 12. But this man, referring to Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, for how long? Forever set down the work done on the right hand of God. Now look in verse 14. For by one offering he hath, what's the word? Perfected for how long? Forever who? Them that are sanctified. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, God set you apart and made you pure and holy. Once and for all. In God's eyes, you will never be anything but pure and holy and perfect, good to go. You say, by what I, the way I live? No, not, it has nothing to do with the way you lived. 
the way you lived or the way you will live. Your way of life has nothing to do with you going to heaven. And that's what blows most people's mind. They just can't believe that. So that's too simple. You've got to do something. It's that something that will send you to hell. There isn't anything you can add to it. You can't add one work to grace, or then grace is no longer grace. Grace means that it has to be free and last forever. If it's not free, it's not grace. If it doesn't last forever, it's not grace. And that's the definition of the gospel itself. The gospel, the good news. What makes it good news is God himself can declare you righteous, make you perfect. Because he takes all of your sins and he paid for it as though you never committed a one. And you're good to go because of what it is. You say, well, you don't deserve that. <laughs> That's what we're trying to say. Of course you don't deserve it. No man does. But yet you'll find out there's people say, well, you can't tell me you can just trust Christ as your Savior and go out here and live like the devil and still go to heaven. Well, if I can't tell you, can God tell you that? That's what God says. You say, well, it don't sound right. It has nothing to do with whether it sounds right. God says, your thoughts are not my thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. God designed salvation. He did not ask my opinion. He didn't ask me how it sounded. But the truth is still the truth. I have a choice. I can choose to serve the Lord after I'm saved. I can choose not to serve the Lord. But to me, it makes more sense to serve the Lord. I'm so thankful that he made it free, and he'll never cast me out and never lose me. I want to serve him all the days of my life. But I don't serve him to go to heaven. I serve him because I want to, because I'm going to heaven, because I, I want to serve him. And it just makes a lot of sense. Now, look down at the bottom of your page, and you'll notice the old nature. See, you may be 15 years old, but you have an old nature. And if you're 50 years old, you've got an old nature. If you're 100 years old, you've got an old nature. You have an old nature. You were born with it. It's a sinful nature. And so this is what the Bible is talking about. Now, if you look down in your notes there, you need to understand the impossibility of the old man, your first birth, being any good to produce good works. This is why whenever the rich young ruler came to Christ and he made the statement, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why callest thou me good? There's none good but God. So if, if I'm good, I must be God. And if I'm not God, I'm not good. Duh. He didn't really get it. But you need to understand, there is none good but one, and that's God. Every body is a sinner. And God says there is none good, no, not one. So you look down at the bottom of the page there, at letter A, none righteous. None righteous. How many are righteous? None. You got that? None are righteous. This is the condition that you and I are in without Christ. When we're born into this world, our first birth, we're children of the flesh. There's none righteous, no, not one. Not one. Number two, there's none that understands. You cannot understand spiritual things because those spiritual things are spiritually discerned, and without the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand the things of God. So, he says, there's none that understands, none that seeketh after God. Now, you may have a desire, but wouldn't it be neat if everybody just 
sought the Lord. But with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the light that shines into a dark man who can't see, and God enables a man to see by the light of the gospel. Then he can understand that he's the sinner, and he needs a Savior, and that he's going to be judged. Let us see, none that doeth good. No, none. Not a one. They are all gone out of the way. In the Old Testament, he puts it this way. All we like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of almost everybody. See, some people like to misquote the scriptures, and they really believe it that way. But when I do it, you catch it, because you can discern. You know that, hey, that's not right, because you know and you believe the Bible. But there's none good, no, not one. All right, page two. All have sinned. All have sinned. You say, well, you, all, you just don't know my Aunt Susie. She, she wouldn't hurt a fly. I mean, she'd give you the shirt off her back. If anybody's going to heaven, surely she will. Well, I got some bad news for you. If Aunt Susie hasn't trusted Christ to save you, Aunt Susie's not going to heaven. You ever heard of a person by the name of Mother Teresa? How many of you have heard of Mother Teresa? Let me see your hand. Mother Teresa, and they talk about all the good things that she did. And I think it's great that somebody does all that. But if she trusts in those good works to get her to heaven, or any good deeds that she's ever done to get to heaven, or trust her Catholic church to get her to heaven, she's not going to heaven. It doesn't matter. There's no difference. They're all in the same boat. You can take the Pope. The Pope, he's not my father. I don't bow to him. I won't kiss his ring or his toe. I will not honor him. Why? He's nothing more than a man. He's nothing more than a sinful man also. He's just like the rest of us. He's no better than anyone else. I'm the preacher here at Calvary Community Church. That makes me better, right? No. I got one fan here, and only one. I'm no better than anybody. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And if you're saved, you're a sinner saved by grace, and that's all you are. Isn't it wonderful that God so loved the world? Not, I love those that are better than others. No, He so loved the world. Now notice. Because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, the glory of God is the perfection of God. See, here's God, and He's perfect. He's just. He's righteous. We are sinners. There's nothing we can do to be equal with God. We cannot justify ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot exalt ourselves to be equal with God. But what Jesus Christ did... He came down into the world, took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross, and went back to heaven. And he says, whosoever will accept that payment, he will give you his righteousness. Now, if God gave me his righteousness, that would make me as righteous as God. If he gave me his perfection, that would make me as perfect as God. If he justifies me, just as if I had never sinned, then I am just with God. God can find no fault in me. He justified me. 
declared me righteous. I'm a child of God. You see, that is my position in Christ. Because all I did 55 years ago was I trusted Christ as my Savior, and He did all that for me. Nothing that I've done since that day has added to my salvation. I am just as saved today as I was 55 years ago. I'm not more saved because of what I've done. I'm more saved, more sure, more guaranteed. No, 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 no. That day I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was saved, justified, declared righteous, made pure and holy and set apart and belonged to God. Now, you notice what he says here on the next one. The wages of sin is what? Death. Wages, sin, death. Everybody sins, everybody must die. That's why everybody dies. The next statement, letter F, are, are not the children of God. Romans chapter 9 and verse 8 says, and makes this statement, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Look up here. Let me show you a simple illustration. I've used it before. Others have too. But I learned it mainly from Dr. Ray Stanford, in whom I consider to be a tremendous Bible teacher. He's now in heaven, and... Um, I bet there's a lot of people up there that are thankful that he came this way through the world because he contacted so many people and gave them the gospel. But now let me tell you this. This is when we're born into this world. This is our flesh birth. I was born into this world 74 years ago on Thursday. And so I am a child of the flesh. I have a sinful nature. And because of that sinful nature, that's why I lie and cheat and all those things. It's not good, just like you. We have a sinful nature. We naturally are rebellious and we want our own way. Everybody's the same way. And God says there's none righteous, not a one. There's none that doeth good, not one. There's none that seeketh after God, not one. So, God says, because you've all sinned, you all have to die. So as long as you are in the flesh body, and that's what I see, that's your first birth. And you have sinned, and you are going to die. And when you die, you're going to be separated from God for all eternity. You can't change that. You can't alter that. Your works have nothing to do. You can't change that because it's on the inside of you. It's your nature to be sinful and to be rebellious. And God says, these that are children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Sometimes you hear people say, we're all the children of God. No, we're not. We're all the creation of God, and God is our God, but He's not your Father until you're born into His family. So yes, we're all sinful. We're all going to die. You're not a child of God. And the next statement, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now this I say, brother, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. See, Corruption cannot inherit incorruption. You cannot better yourself. A rock can't become a plant, and a plant can't become an animal. An animal can't become a person. Now, a person can become an animal. <laughs> but now, here we are. We cannot move into a new realm and, and elevate ourselves into another dimension. It's impossible. You are a sinner. You need a Savior. So the Bible says, the children of the flesh cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So, look at the next statement. The new nature. 
If the gospel we preach does not make one perfect immediately upon the new birth from above, it is totally ineffective in getting us to heaven. You need something that can make you perfect. And here's the only way it can be done. When you hear the gospel, the good news of Christ coming to the world, dying on the cross, paying for sin, coming back from the dead, and God said, if you'll believe that, I'll give you a new birth. So that means you're accepting his death as your death. So you can't get the new one until this one dies. Can't get this one until this one dies. It means your first birth that you have because you're condemned by the law. So Christ came into the world, died for you. So when you accept his death payment in God's eyes, that was your death of the first birth. And he gave you a new birth. This one is born of God. See, if this one is born of God, there's something special about this second birth. This is the one that's born of God. Now, look what we have here. Letter A, Jesus says you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh, flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now, you know what most preachers are trying to do? They're trying to take the child of the flesh and convert him. Get him to change, be good enough, and so that'll change him. I mean, if you walked into a garage, would that make you an automobile? Walk into a bakery, would that turn into a donut? If it was a chocolate eclair, it might work. And neither does going into a church turn you into a Christian. You can't convert this man and make him a child of God. He has to be born into God's family. And the only way is because you have to realize he died for me. So I'm accepting his death as my death, as a payment for my sins. Because I'm going to die and i got to pay. Christ died. He paid for your sins. Come back from the dead. And when you believe that he did it for you, he gives you a new birth. But your new birth is not this one. That which is of the flesh is flesh. That which is of the spirit, spirit. This second birth is a spiritual birth. You can't see it. You can't feel it. It's because it's based upon the Word of God, what God says. God is a spirit, and He gives you a spiritual birth. Now, when you are a believer in Christ, that's when God gives you this new birth. You see there, look at the next statement. You'll notice there in letter B, at the moment of receiving Christ, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Look up here. The very moment you believe and trust Christ as your Savior, God gives to you a new birth. This new birth makes you God's child. You're born again. See, this one came from above. This one came from below. This was man. This was born of God. Now understand this. Your new birth is born by the Word of God. It means that it's, it can't sin. Because God, see, can't give you a sinful nature. This one has no sinful nature. If it has no sinful nature, it can't sin. If it can't sin, it can't die. How long will this child live? Forever and ever and ever. Look at letter C. Being born from above lasts forever. See this? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. See, this birth is because you took God at His Word and you believed what the Word of God said. 
And so you accepted Christ as your Savior in Him alone. You can't get this birth if you're trusting anything this one can do. This one can't do anything but die. Christ died in your place so that you could have this new birth. So whenever you accept Christ as your Savior, you're born into God's family. Now, you are His child, and He is your Father. He has no sinful nature. You have no sinful nature. And because you have no sinful nature, you cannot sin. This one cannot sin. This is perfect. Remember, under the law cannot make you perfect. Man, by his work, cannot make you perfect. But the bringing in of a better hope did. And what was that? What Christ did for us is why we can have a new birth and be perfect. See, this is my second birth. My second birth is perfect. When you look at me and I smile a while ago, that was the first one you see. This one's going to keep on until it gets old and older and older and older. And it's going to die. This one can't die. That's why once you become a child of God, how long will you be a child of God? Forever. And that's why that is so important. Look at letter D down at the bottom. Those born of God cannot sin. Now get this. This is 1 John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Whosoever is born of God. Look up here. Which one is these is born of God? This one. Cannot sin. Now, some translations and a lot of preachers will tell you, see there? Well, it means you won't practice sin. Well, everybody I know don't need to practice. They're pretty good at it. By now, they're professionals. It doesn't say practice, and it doesn't say continue. It's talking about once you trust Christ as Savior, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him because it's the incorruptible. He cannot sin. Not, he can't commit one single act of sin. That's why once you trust Christ as your Savior and you have eternal life, you're a child of God, you can't go to hell. Impossible. I'm not saying that just because I'm trying to be a smart aleck. I'm saying it because it's true. I am thankful for the gospel. The good news of what Christ did makes me perfect in God's eyes. And I'm going to heaven because of what he did. I don't take credit for that. I didn't do anything. He did it all for me because he loved me. Now, I imagine he loves you too. No, he does. He loves the whole world. He died for everybody. And whosoever would believe it could have as a free gift everlasting life. Now, look at letter E. You are seen by God as in the Spirit. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's not of his. Look up here. The flesh doesn't have the Holy Spirit. It's only the new birth. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God doesn't see you in the flesh in the first birth anymore because you trusted the Lord. Now you're in His family. You're a child of God. You're going to have, Now, as a Christian... You're living in this one body. I only got one body, but I got two natures living in here. And they like to fight. Well, maybe not like to fight, but they fight. And so you have a struggle that goes on. See, you know and I know you didn't really die, but God declares that man dead. And when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God declared you righteous. You have been justified as though you have never sinned. This new birth has never sinned. 
God can give you his righteousness. He didn't give it to the flesh. He gave it to your new birth. Your new birth. You're as righteous as God. Be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. Now, a lot of people take a verse and they misuse it. Like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, down at the bottom of your page, where it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, old things are become new. So they say, well, see there, when you trust Christ, everything changes in your life, and you're not going to want to do those bad things anymore, and now you just want to honor God and sit around and sing Kumbaya, and, uh, you know, well, wait, wait, not so fast, Charlie. Understand this. This is the first birth. You trusted Christ. He gave you a new birth. Now, he didn't do away with this one. You see, this is, if he'd done away with it, your body wouldn't be here. If he did away with your sinful nature, you wouldn't be here. That's in your flesh. It's in your body. It's in your members. So this body that you have, you've got this old sinful nature, and you're going to carry around that old sinful nature until the body dies. Now, you like that. So your old sinful nature, God didn't take it away. He didn't change it. He didn't alter it. He didn't do anything with it. When you got saved, he didn't change this. He gave you a new birth. And then he says in the book of Romans in chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable servant. And then he says this, be not conformed to this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that means that you didn't transform your life to get saved. After you are saved, it's the will of God that you let the new birth control this old body and yield this body to the power of the Lord. And your life can be transformed that you may find and discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. So yes, I was in the flesh. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, and if any man be in him, in Christ, as he says here, he is a new creation. This old condition is passed away. God no longer sees me in the flesh. He no longer sees me as a child of the flesh. I'm now his child, and God now deals with me as his child. And if I will, as a child of God, if I serve the Lord, which is my choice, you see, I got two now. I can go either way. So some of God's children walk in the flesh, and they commit every sin in the book. And then you'll have some of God's children that are walking the Spirit and love the Lord and be obedient, and they do the things that God wants and God honors. But then as time goes on, they may walk in the flesh. And those that were walking in the flesh might walk over here in the Spirit. That's why this is so destructive for the fruit inspector. They go nuts. If you watch me long enough, you'll see that Hey, I saw yanking the flesh the other day. And it might be sometimes, Lord willing, you'll see me do something right. But when I get to heaven, God is going to reward me for what I did in the second birth. Nothing that I did in the flesh birth. This is a total waste. So all of your life, if you live in the flesh and living like a lost man, loving the world, the things of the world... You're going to lose an awful lot of rewards that you could have had. See, God is going to reward you when you get to heaven for what you did because you walked in the Spirit. And you're going to lose so much that you could have had because you walked in the flesh. 
So can you walk in the flesh? Of course. Can you walk in the spirit? Yes. It's your choice. So God says it this way. Once you trust him as your savior, you're God's child. But as a child of God, see, you have a choice. You can be an obedient child, disobedient child. If you're an obedient child, God said, I'm going to bless you. But if you walk in the flesh, you're still my child. But you're walking after the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I'm going to have to chasten you. And God will chasten his children that walk in the flesh. You see, God wants you to serve him and to honor him. But if you don't, there's consequences to your decision. See, all of life is making decisions. So if you'll serve the Lord as a child of God, God will bless you and reward you when you get to heaven. And if you don't, God's going to have to chasten you. So it's your choice. That's why it makes sense to me. I want God's blessings on my life. I want rewards when I get to heaven. I don't know what they are. Whatever they are, I want them. You say, you're just reward motivated. I know. God says we're reward motivated. So he says, if you do this, I'll do this. I said, okay, I'll do it. And I won't know until I get to heaven what I'm going to get. But I know if I rebel against the Lord, I got a good idea what I'm going to get. So I would rather trust the Lord and believe that he'll take and honor his word. So he says, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. But see, none of that is important if you never trusted Christ as your Savior. Have you been born again, born into God's family by faith alone? If you're trusting the church to save you, you can't go. Trusting your good works to get you to heaven, you can't go. You're trusting the fact, well, I stopped some of my sin. I stopped smoking, drinking, lying, dipping and chewing and running with the girls to do. And you think that's going to help get you to heaven? You ain't going. You cannot depend upon your works, your performance as the basis for your salvation. It must be and only can be. I'm accepting what Christ did for me. He died and paid for my sins. And if I trust him, God said he would save me and give me eternal life. Best news in all the world. Let me wrap it all up by showing you this simple illustration I invented yesterday. I mean, would I lie to you? If it did, it was this guy. Because this guy, he wouldn't lie to you, would he? No, this guy wouldn't. He wouldn't. Would he lie? Yeah. This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us, but he hates our sin. But everybody's a sinner. We are all condemned because we've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. So we're all in the same boat. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect. And nobody's perfect. That's why we can't earn eternal life. Because it requires perfection. And nobody can be perfect. So God says you cannot save yourself. You need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He was perfect. He had no sin. He didn't have to die. He came into this world because He loved us. And He hated our sins because our sins separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ did the only thing that needed to be done. He took the sin. How much? All of it. For how many people? Everybody. Paid for it on the cross and came back from the dead. He says that if we would believe it, He did it for us. That's all He's required. Would you believe that I did this for you? And when you believe it, this payment goes to your account. See, the payment is Christ. Christ is the payment for my sins. He was the satisfaction, the propitiation for my sins. So when I accept Jesus Christ, He is my payment. 
the nails in his hands and in his feet, that is the proof of payment. I have a receipt. That is my receipt. And he gives himself to me. I have a receipt. And he says, I'll never cast you out and never lose you. I have this receipt for all eternity. Nobody can send me to hell. I couldn't go to hell if I tried. I've got a receipt for all the sins that I'll ever commit. But because of what he did for me, grace does much more abound. I serve him because I want to, not because I have to. There's nothing that I can do to add to what he's already done. That's what grace means. Grace means undeserved, undeserved. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But he loved me, paid for my sins, came back from the dead and says, if you'll believe that I did that for you, you can do that. You can handle that. So that's all you got to do. Does God know your mind? Does God know you're sitting there and saying, oh, I believe that. I believe that. But you need to say that. You need to believe that. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you right now, right where you are, simply say this, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I know I need to be saved, and I want to be born into your family by faith alone. I, right now, believe you did it for me, and I'm going to accept that payment you made for me when you died on that cross. You paid for my sins. And friend, if you'll trust Him right now, God said He will save you right now. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that you understood and that you're trusting the Lord, and I'd like to have prayer for you. Would you let me know? If you're here this morning and you're trusting Christ as your Savior, you've never done it before, but you'll do it right now. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. Not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. So yes, that made sense. Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? If you have a question, man, I'd love to talk to you, help you all I can. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you so much for the gospel, the glorious gospel, the gospel that makes a man, a sinner, perfect, good to go. We thank you, Lord, for the one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust your Savior. And Father, we pray that if there's someone watching by internet that's never trusted your Savior, that they would do so right now. And we'd love to know. And I pray, Father, your blessings upon each one. Thank you for this day and all that you do for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.